Hello there, space fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Supercluster Podcast. It is Thursday, September 22nd, 2022, and I'm here with two really awesome people that I've had the pleasure of working with these last few weeks. In October, the Beyond Earth Symposium will be happening in Washington, D.C. We'll get into the details in a few. I wanted to just throw two quick updates that will sort of set the stage for today's conversation. NASA seems to have successfully past that issue, that fuel leak issue yesterday at Kennedy Space Center. So we might be getting news of a new launch date or they might be sticking to the end of the month. We'll see. Um, but we're very excited about this, this development. Also, we got word from Elon Musk a couple of days ago that SpaceX is now targeting November down at Starbase to test Starship uh, on an orbital mission. That is obviously a big part of the Artemis plan as well. Uh, Starship is supposed to bring the humans down to the surface. SLS is supposed to bring them from Earth to lunar orbit. It's a very exciting time. I'm here with Stephen Wolf, president and co-founder of the Beyond Earth Institute and the VP of Ecosystem Engagement, Courtney Stead. Really great to have you guys on the show today. Great to be here. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you, Robin. Before we get into this, our audience will start to see promotion. We started in our newsletter. You're going to be seeing on social media, Supercluster's creative agency, Space Agency, which our fans know we've launched just a couple months ago, is a sponsor of the Beyond Earth Symposium. And uh, we're very proud of the fact and we're really excited to be part of this conversation about the future of human exploration in outer space and bringing that human footprint out into the solar system and beyond. And I think the best people to speak to this really grand idea and the reason why you guys are doing this symposium, what is the goal of these conversations that we are now starting to have about deep space exploration? And Stephen, I'll start with you. Sure. Thanks again, Robin. And I do want to express uh, thanks for becoming a sponsor of the Beyond Earth Symposium that's coming up October 12th and 13th. Yep. And we'll be talking more about that. I think what you had just mentioned about the imminent flights of the Artemis SLS rocket to the moon, the opportunity for an orbital test flight of the Starship. These are man-rated new vehicles that are carrying humans into space. Right. And that's where the Beyond Earth Institute and our symposium are really focused on, right? So two years ago, a cohort of folks, space policy experts with a long history of involvement in the industry, both in industry and and in agencies and on Capitol Hill, came together and said, well, you know, with all the developments that are taking place, the excitement, the emergence of a commercial space ecosystem, the potential for a cis-lunar economy. You know, we're getting closer and closer to that future where humankind can, will be able to one day migrate off of this planet and live in communities beyond Earth. However, we recognized in order to get there, there are many obstacles, certainly technical and financial, right. but very much so it's going to be driven by policy decisions that we make at the national level in the United States and internationally. So we founded the organization with the mission of creating a policy framework and legal framework that that would enable the creation of economically sustainable communities beyond Earth. And we've been working, especially during COVID, we have a long list of extraordinary webinars. I actually encourage folks to go to our website uh, covering topics like property rights and space. Where do we go? Once 
Artemis plants, flags, and footprints. You know, what is space, the space base really going to be all about? And what is the human activity on, on the moon going to be beyond that? So a number of issues that we've been addressing and will continue to address in the, in the October event. So, you know, that, that, that kind of frames a little bit, a little bit in terms of who we are and why we exist and why we think this type of effort is so important. And you know, if I could supplement that, Robin, what drew me to the Beyond Earth Institute, my knowledge, we're the only nonpartisan or one of the very few nonpartisan think tank organizations looking at the pragmatic policy regulatory issues associated with sustained large space, human, human populated communities in space. And I think there's no shortage of aspirational and advocacy groups, and thank God for them in our community. Right. But I really believe we're, we're filling a very critical uh, void. Now, define for me, what is the word ecosystem mean in this, this new vision that we're all seeing here uh, with this evolving lunar economy and deep space travel? What does the word ecosystem mean in that context? Yeah, I'll take a first crack at it. It's about a variety of wide variety of, of stakeholders that are interest, have a common interest in the economic development of particular regions in space, right? So the ecosystem, obviously, it's an it's it's a word that can apply to terrestrial communities and regions and so forth. But in space, it's particularly important. Uh, so our so there's a great deal of discussion about the Leo economy, right? That's a we're we're on the advent of having commercial space stations being built by Axiom, Blue Origin, right. Voyager Space and others. And it's going to be an exciting time as we transition. And these these habitats are going to be built to replace, ultimately, the International Space Station. It's going to be an exciting time, right? Beyond that, though, is the cislunar economy. And so you were talking about a confluence or a gathering of private investors, government entities, university entities, international partners, that are all going to, in various ways, going to be part of these ecosystems and help to drive those economies. And the radical change, Robin, that, that I've seen over 40 plus years, when I first got into the space community, government had the monopsony. Right. And so an ecosystem was essentially NASA in the United States, NASA, the Pentagon, NOAA, the weather world, and oh, by the way, a bunch of contractors that were dependent on the government for their sustenance. Right. In the year 2022, we have companies in this emerging commercial space system with their own separate sources of private capital. One prime example, when Axiom sent their first Inspiration crew up to the space station that was privately funded. The astronauts were not chosen by NASA. They were chosen by SpaceX and they were trained, at least the, the, the funding for the training came from a private source. They may have used some of NASA's facilities, of course, for training. That dynamic is a radical change, a dramatic change in the relationship with the government commercial. Right. So Axiom, Axiom is sort of a private provider that will take a private citizen and place them on Dragon. And what we're also seeing on, on SpaceX's side uh, missions like Inspiration Four that are entirely private, trained by SpaceX, but also with NASA's insight. I think NASA always has some sort of insight, especially with the development of Dragon. But I wanted to ask, since you brought up NASA, like 
we're talking about a lot of private companies, you know, a lot of other nations are getting involved. What is the future role of NASA as we are going back to the moon and we're looking toward Mars? Obviously, we've seen NASA's role as, as a leader in the commercial crew program. They establish it. They're the ones who doled out a lot of taxpayer money to develop these vehicles and these programs. Do we see an evolution of that commercial contract situation where it's like, well, NASA will hire SpaceX or Boeing to bring humans to the moon or Lockheed, and then eventually someday hire these companies to bring NASA astronauts to Mars. Is that a natural evolution? If I may, Steve, and please jump in, I, I, I think absolutely. You know, we used to look to commissions and task forces in the government to determine what the future is of NASA. I would submit that organically it's changing and changing right before our, our, our very eyes. The Axiom model, you are seeing that apply to more and more situations in which NASA is the customer, no longer right. is it the dominant player overall. And I would submit that in some ways, the agency is going back to its roots. Before Eisenhower created it in 1958, it was called NACA. And NACA was the National Aeronautics Committee that was focused on research and support for the aeronautics world. When it formed as the agency, we know it over the past 60 some odd years, it, it sort of mushroomed into this overarching entity in the world of space. And I think with the emergence, now that the government is, to use the metaphor, taking its foot off the neck of the entrepreneur. Right. We're seeing the genius of the entrepreneur, and yes, Robin, nurtured by NASA, no question. But as the commercial entrepreneur is blossoming, the agency is sort of in a way going back to that R&D support with acting as an enabler, as a facilitator, I would submit. Like an incubator. Uh, in, in many ways, like an incubator, a catalyst, yeah. yes. And, and if I could rebound off of that, Courtney, you know, I agree I do think in term, uh, use the term, we're organically moving from one orientation to the next. And I think there's a, I think if you, from stepping way back, you could sort of see it that way, Though we don't want to discount the brave people in NASA who stepped forward and suggested that there's a new way of doing business. Absolutely. And those are the heroes uh, inside. And I think, you know, Lori Garver's book, of course, articulates that to a uh, to a great degree, that this this required bravery inside, and it continues. The transition is not done. There's still are, are, these are change agents that yeah, really these are change deserve. agents. The transition, I don't think it's complete. No, you know, we're still NASA still debating whether they want to have a public private partnership arrangement to build the base camp module. Right. right. So, well, why why wouldn't they want to automatically go to you know partner with industry for that kind of construction? So it's still a work in progress, and it is a tentative time. I think that we do have to be careful about, and that's why I think you know more robust, more more considered policies, especially those policies that are filling the gaps between an all government program to one where. It's a little bit more complicated, right? right. It's it, when you're dealing with private companies and international companies and so forth. And I know even now with the folks who are planning the commercial space stations are, you know, working together to try to work out the appropriate norms of behavior 
the regulatory regimes that should be applied to those new facilities and so forth. Now, we have the symposium coming up on the 12th and the 13th, just a couple of weeks away. What in your heads are some of these policy goals that you know, we're aiming for. And, you know, there's quite a few people coming to the symposium. We can get into that and the speakers. But before Mm -hmm. that, what are the the top of mind goals here? You know, given where we are right now on the verge of this new lunar exploration program and, and Beyond Earth is obviously thinking quite a few years down the line. So what are these first few policy goals that you're envisioning here? You know, what's very important in in all of these policy discussions and what's most important for Beyond Earth is looking to create a context, a long-term context for all of our human activities in space, right? So if we can, through policy action or through government pronouncements of different kinds, make the statement, you know, accept the statement that all of these things we're doing is leading us towards a path of becoming a multiplanetary species, right? Leading that path to space migration ultimately. And if we have this context, either implicit or or explicit, then all of our activities make much more sense. It's much more, much easier for us to move forward significantly and boldly with all of our near-term activities. And I think that's where the government has been has been very shy and governments around the world, very shy about making this because we are looking at so far, potentially so far in the future, although there's a good argument that we really, that the potential for human settlement really isn't that far away. It's decades away. It is not centuries away. So, you know, if we can embrace that now, that will smooth the path. And I will, maybe I could, I could add that in my early days working on Capitol Hill for Congressman George Brown in the 80s, I had the benefit of working with him on a, on a piece of legislation called the Space Settlement Act of 1988, which actually was folded into the the NASA authorization bill that year, and it actually became law. And essentially, it essentially said it was an act. It, it was recognized by Congress that the human expansion into space and all of the activities of the space agency were leading to human settlement of space. And that was a good thing for the country. However, it was largely ignored. And I would say that most folks at the time thought we were ahead of our time. Well, it's 30, it's over 30 years later. So Revenge of the Nerds time. Revenge of the Nerds time, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's not, we're not ahead of our time. We're actually playing catch up. Right. Most point. people would agree with that. And I think some of our leaders in the space industry have repeated that notion many times that, you know, when, and, you know, as a person who has to communicate to the public often, especially to children in schools who come to me and say, we landed on the moon 50 years ago. I know this. Why can't we go back today? That is a very tough question to hear from an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old in a classroom. And it's a very legitimate question. And I think, you know, the public, you, you brought up the expanse. Popular culture has spoiled all of us, including me. Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, in our heads and our hearts, we're really far ahead. <laughs> you know, in, in the creative world, in our dreams and our visions, we, we're really out there. And, and, you know, one of those, we, we always benchmark our interest in space sometimes in the general public with films like Interstellar, The Martian. And it, those films show how, how we dream 
and uh, and what we want for ourselves. And sometimes when real life isn't even close, you know, it, it, people get upset. <laughs> and uh, when you're talking to the public, you know, and, and they said, well, what's taking so long? Well, maybe uh, an organization like Beyond Earth has an answer to that. Maybe having these kinds of symposiums, getting these conversations about deep space habitat and deep space settlement sort of drives the real policy that makes these things happen. Do you agree? Yeah, at, at the risk of dating myself, 1968, sitting in the theater, watching the debut of Space Odyssey 2001. Right. Boy, am I pissed off. Yeah, we just got <laughs> some news recently during IAC and a lot of our community is in Paris this week. Hilton announced a partnership with Voyager to help design their habitats. And that's straight out of 2001. Straight out um, of 2001. And, uh, it's really that's cool right. to see. Congrats on uh, Dylan. He's a friend of all of ours. And, yeah. and uh, congrats Dylan Taylor Dylan. Voyager space yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, our, our, our listeners know uh, who Dylan they is. He's well. one of our first guests yes. on this podcast, an amazing human being, one of the leaders driving this movement. So yes. thank you, Dylan. I wanted to pull up the Beyond Earth. By the Earth way, one of the sponsors of Beyond Earth. Right. I was going to bring, yeah. bring up, he is one of the sponsors as well. Yes. And I wanted to bring up, because we've been talking about the symposium and I wanted to throw out some names of folks who are going to be there. We have Kathy Luters, who everyone knows is, you know, a leader at NASA who's been driving this human spaceflight movement as of recent. She's the associate administrator for space operations for NASA. We also have Naren Shankar from The Expanse, the executive producer and showrunner. That'll be really exciting. And uh, we have Tori Bruno, another person who is a leader in, in the exploration of our planets in the solar system. ULA is a leader in planetary launches. It'll be interesting. I mean, he's always got something incredible to say about the future. And he has such a pragmatic vision for uh, achieving that uh, exploration economy in the future. Anything you guys want to call out here or about the symposium? I'd like to as well. Jan Werner, the former right. head of the European Space Agency, is a speaker. And he's got a wonderful vision regarding a moon village that he's really fleshed out. So that would be very exciting. His great quote that I attribute to, to him, and he basically said, I believe space agencies have to change. If you are fixed permanently to the same thing that you did in the past, you will lose. And to me, that's a bumper sticker that ought to be affixed <laughs> right. to our own okay. space agencies, let alone, uh, mm -hmm. to, uh, presumably he was talking about European Space Agency. Bavia Lal, Dr. Lal, a phenomenal thinker. She was an acting chief of staff and is now head of a new strategic office that reports to the administrator and the deputy administrator, has tremendous vision for the agency and, and is coming to talk to us. And I want to emphasize that when these NASA officials have reached out to us and their staffs, they're not treating this event as a drive-by, check the box, oh, we gave another speech. No. They're actually looking to see how they can leave their mark, how they can benefit from the interaction with the other thought leaders. So I think it's fair to say, Steve, that we're taking great solace from the uh, Yeah, I, I want to emphasize, too, as one of the sponsors, this is not a, a, an everyday run-of-the-mill conference. This is an action meeting. And yes. we, we, I mean... Supercluster and Space Agency, we we tire of conferences. We've been yes. through them over and over, mm -hmm. and we would 
you know, we, we swore off them many, <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. But um, this is not that. This is something different. This is a real engagement. And I want to encourage those listening, if you're serious about being part of the future of, you know, human spaceflight and exploration. And, and I'd like to build off that. And then, Steve, you, you please jump in here. But we have very specific actions that we'll be recommending that the White House take and specifically, of course, Congress to, to, to support as well. Mm-hmm. Steve has been working with all the panel chair on specific papers. So, Steve, you may want to speak a moment about the action part of this conference. Right. I And actually, first, let me just say that you can, there are still a actually a few seats left. Mm-hmm. So if this is like pulling a string on you that you want to be in part of this, you need to get to the registration page as quickly as you can. You can get there from beyondearth.org. It's easy enough. Otherwise, it is. we will be live streaming it. So there is a Zoom option to sign up for. Right. So yes. I definitely recommend tuning in if you can, if you can't get a seat. The conversation will be very It's going to be exciting. The, these papers are very important. So we're putting together, we have four topics that we're looking to cover. Commercial space stations, survivability and sustainability in human spaceflight, the cislunar economy, and how do we develop that through policy? And how, and, and this is a very interesting one, how are we going to finance very large scale infrastructure and habitat projects in the future? So that's right. a, How do you pay for it is always the number one question. And the bigger the project, the more kind of like you guys are crazy. I mean, yeah, so and, trying- and it's always the biggest point of controversy. Right. Yeah. With yeah. with James Webb, with a space launch system, how do we get ahead of that conversation too, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the idea. So each of these panel sessions will have we have put we have put together a brief that in sort of gives an overview of the topic and then provides a series of recommendations that came out of, to an extent, came out of discussions by the panelists themselves. So it's very, it's very dynamic, you know, so we'll have those at the conference. It'll be a resource that people could take with them. So we'll, you know, we're, we'll have people from NASA agencies there, international folks. We'll have people from the Hill in attendance, uh, some academics who are involved in space policy. So really all the stakeholders are going to be in the room. And to, and to add to that, the, the audience, Robin, are not potted plants. Right. We're providing them access to Google Docs so that they can, on their respective laptops, whatever, engage, amend, modify, comment on what they're hearing. So it's very, very interactive between audience and, and speakers. Mm-hmm. That's great. And that's something that's different to events like this is you're actually looking for your audience to put forth ideas that will end up in in future policies. And I think that is this symposium is a great way for people to actually get in the game and learn about what where we are in this in this movement and mm-hmm. get to be, become a part of it. And uh, that's really exciting. And I would say that this, you know, it's, it's one one event in a series of an ongoing effort. Right. right. So we want to be clear on that. So we'll we'll certainly repeat this kind of forum. We'll do hold other forums and workshops, all of us to try to get out a little bit beyond where the edge of the envelope is in terms of space policy and particularly how it might relate to the human human extension into space. 
and then hopefully we can and, and the with the intention of doing this and and I and I always use the term sober right we right. we want to be very sober about what the challenges are but that's not to say that we can't be bold right and so it's that it's that balance that we're taking again bringing together the best minds who we can to the table to uh, to engage in helping to uh, develop these recommendations yeah and just to drive home that point I want to remind the listeners who have three commercial space habitats that are in various stages of development and financing that all expect to be filling in the void after the space station terminates in 2030, as we speak. Those are going to give birth to a whole new generation of people that will be occupying space on a permanent basis. As we talk today, There are companies, a dozen plus that I can think of, that are deploying to the moon over the next number of years. Very sophisticated robots, and there's very sophisticated lunar mining technologies being developed. So who defines the mining rights? Who adjudicates disputes? Because wherever human beings go, we take our baggage with us, good, bad, and and so forth. Capitalism isn't too far behind. (laughs) To have this discussion, that's right, Robert. So to have this discussion in 2022, to emphasize Steve's point, not only is it not too early, but arguably, in many ways, the government is having to play catch up. I think that that is the the consensus. I think that's why we're here. We are playing catch up to some degree. And I don't want to duplicate a space race and get into that type of dynamic. But if you take a gander at the vision of the China, China's National Space Administration, very ambitious. And their and, space station is already up there. And it's, and it's already be, up there. It's a, it'll be complete in a couple of months. So um, that's, that's right. uh, that, I mean, we don't have to say the word race, but the government is certainly saying it. And you know, they're, they're establishing policy based on, well, we need to beat China. And if that's the top-down policy, then it's fair to play that game. I would say that that's okay and to be perhaps to be expected. But yeah. we, what we don't want is another repeat of the Apollo space race, right. where once we felt like we've won right. that race, okay, well, then we're we done and we're right. home. Right. right. So it's if competition with China helps to spur us along a little more quickly than we would have otherwise gone. Right. Hey, that's great. But nobody wants should lose sight of the big prize, right. right? And and I think fortunately, I think the the commercial potential is much clearer now than it was in the early 70s in terms of what we really need to do, can we really do this? Can we organize the 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 investments? and so forth, to build business cases to extend uh, activities and eventually human activities to the moon and so forth. So you said capitalism. Capitalism is going to drive yeah. drive this train. But it can't be the Wild West either, right. right? So, And that's another reason why you have policy. Not to restrain it, but to ensure that, it's, it's, uh, that we move forward responsibly. Good policy can drive space exploration. We've seen it with commercial crew. And I think that's the point being made here. It's like these po- policies aren't made to to strangle whatever we're trying to do. Here. It's actually to to light that fire under it. And I know that's hard to believe, given how 
you know, sluggish the government can be with policies of any kind. But policies in space exploration actually do good. And you brought up Lori Garver, you brought up those administrations that sort of pushed these new policies that we're, we're seeing bear fruit today. I think that there's case studies to back up what you guys are selling here. More, more times over. And it's important to thread the needle because you can have government overreach mm-hmm. at the same time that you can have a situation where the government is perhaps not filling the gap the way they might. I think most of your listeners are familiar with the growing space debris issue. Of course. Clearly, that screams out for effective public-private partnership globally. Yeah, that, that is the definition of a need for public yeah. and private collaboration because both are littering. We're going to have government litter. We're going to have private industry litter. The truth are going to need to be cleaned up. And the best and and most economically sustainable way to do that is with a partnership. Now, government overreach would be to micro-regulate and establish standards that would be suffocating to industry. And what what we're seeing is that industry is stepping up with various prototype systems to service and repair mm-hmm. the orbit debris and and doing it in a way that again to use that word organically that's growing in a very nice sort of you know win-win relationship with the government and so one of the main missions of beyond earth is to keep industry government academia in dialogue and to assist with ensuring that that balance between government support, facilitation, public safety, certainly, uh, industry accountability is maintained in a way that helps encourage and promote and not stultify or otherwise discourage what is an extraordinary new chapter in humanity's migration opening up before us. I always end these episodes, especially when I have colleagues that I've worked with on, would you guys go to space or, or is your time passed? I would go in a heartbeat. Okay, Stephen, we have your answer. Courtney, I'm putting you Absolutely. on the spot. Okay, I, well, would, I would be terrified sitting on a, <laughs> a, on oh, yeah. controlled explosives, but I would uh, be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys joining me on the show to to talk about the symposium. I think, like we all in agree here, it's going to be a, a really cool moment for the space industry to get sober and serious about our Star Trek esque plans for the future. I'm glad we're going to have some filmmakers in the house. I'm glad there's a very diverse group of people coming here from the industry and, and from different communities, folks I've seen internationally too, a few um, among the lineup. So um, I encourage our listeners to keep tuning in. You're going to see some updates on Superclusters channels about the symposium, but I will be there in person as, long, as well as Eric Collins, the uh, other co-founder of Space Agency. We're both going to be there Hanging out, supporting our friends, Stephen and Courtney, and uh, making sure that everything looks cool to some degree so these guys can focus on getting us those policies. That We, we are super, super uh, grateful to Supercluster. You, you all have been unbelievable partners. And we are happy to be part of things like this because we wanted to drive messaging and drive policy like mm-hmm. this. And this is our way of contributing. Yeah. So thank you for the invite. If this past conversation needs to keep happening, we're going to keep having it. Yeah. Thank you, Robin. And, and just a personal note, Robin, you, when we first spoke, it, we, we, there was this click right away where right. you, you understand it. 
what we're doing. And, and that is so rewarding when we when we interact with folks like you. So thank you so much for yeah. uh, for your, being your part passion of is infectious. <laughs> I appreciate that, <laughs> oh, guys. Yeah. You know, honestly, I just want to get humans off this planet. And so whenever <laughs> I meet other people who have that same goal, we're going to be best friends no matter what. <laughs> I'm really happy to be part of this symposium. And you know, we're going to keep this conversation going. Courtney and Stephen will be back on the podcast in the future. Maybe we'll do a wrap-up post-symposium. We can uh, discuss how to move forward after that. Great. Thank you again. Thank you, sir. <laughs>